The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Pat Scott. Hi, Pat. Howdy. And Father Andrew Kinstetter. Hi, Father Andrew. Hello, hello. To start off tonight, I, as we're recording this, I wanted to, to highlight some feedback we got from the listener. We, we, t- we did some listener feedback last week. We get some more this week from listener Alan, who sent in an email in response to our discussion recently of SpaceX and how cool it was to see the Crew Dragon go up to the space station. Did you both get a chance to watch that, by the way? I, didn't, I haven't talked to you since then. I did not watch it, but I heard about it. Okay. I also okay. heard that there was a nifty little dragon that apparently is now sold out in all sorts of stores because it was their zero g uh yes. tester but it's a little like five dollar dinosaur yeah, yeah 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 that floating around so, the cabin yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i i yeah i i need to go watch it but i just haven't had the chance i just watched clips i didn't see the whole thing it was great. We had, uh, I was sitting at lunch, you know, I, I told the story uh, last time, but I was sitting, having lunch Saturday afternoon or late lunch, really, uh, Saturday afternoon. And I realized, oh, it's time. And I, I brought up the feed on my iPad and all the kids gathered around. And I'm like, this is history, kids. This is so cool. So, uh, so Alan writes in and he says, uh, like y'all, I'm impressed by the technology SpaceX has developed. And I'm very pleased the Crew Dragon launch and docking was successful. The ability to transport humans to the space station is an essential capability for the United States. I am, however, concerned about an inordinate focus on public relations and coolness in space exploration. It certainly generates public support and interest, which is good. However, there are downsides to consider. Designing hardware to cosmetically look like a science fiction movie can, and is probably intended to, elicit positive emotions and visions of advanced capabilities which exceed what is currently achievable. While it is true humanity has reliable rocketry capability, that success does not extend to all aspects of human life beyond Earth. When technology development becomes too political, it inevitably leads to pressure to take additional risk, for example, the Challenger disaster, or overstate capabilities. Space is very dangerous, and contrary to popular myth, it is not empty. The radiation and subatomic particle environment within our solar system is extremely hazardous to humans, and we have minimal ability to shield against it. On Earth, our atmosphere and magnetosphere protect us. My fear is space travel will be glamorized to the point where risks are only partially assessed and addressed before lives are at stake. I don't believe the engineers would knowingly endorse disproportionate risk, but engineers don't always have decision-making authority. I certainly hope humanity continues to pursue space exploration, but if it isn't done prudently, the results may be catastrophic and very public. So thank you, Alan, for sending that in. So what do you all think? Is Alan's concern justified? Um, my own thought is that uh, probably the cosmetic things that they do to make it look like, you know, Star Trek uniforms or Star Trek look, looking things is not going to have jeopardize anything. And I think I think that they a measured approach in all things is balanced is going to provide the risk, uh, the risk assessment and the uh, capability to do it safely without 
without having problems. I think worse of a case is if it gets politicized too much. I think that's right. a higher risk. Right. If if the if a politician pushes to launch under unsafe conditions because it would look bad for him, for that would be right. yeah, that would be a bad thing. Yeah, I, I I mean I think we have something like the Challenger disaster that just keeps keeps the the risk in front of our faces. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't just I'm going to I'm going to develop a cool new new car that looks really crazy and go test it out. This is um you know, something like that you can be can be totally done in a in a safe environment. Um you know, but something like traveling in outer space has just it is the risk is just so much more proportionately higher that I yeah I I I think I think if it looks cool it's 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 helpful um I mean it, it gets it gets the the money to flow sure um but I think the risk is always inherently too high for them to let the cosmetics interfere with with right. you know safety I would I would say that the the idea of making it all look cool goes back to the very beginning of of spaceflight. I mean the the whole point of the Mercury astronauts they they wore they had silver suits that was cosmetic. It was done because it made them look more like spacemen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't make it any less safe. And and the whole the idea of you know uh, pushing the 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 coolness and political factors pushing them to uh, override safety uh, the the both the disaster, the Apollo, Apollo, I forget which number it was, one disaster, the one that, that exploded with Chafee and White, who, who died on the on the launch pad, um, that disaster and then the Challenger disaster, both, you know, emphasized uh, those, neither, none of those were done because of there was, you know, we we wanted to look cool. They were, there were other bureaucratic problems, but following both of those, there were changes instituted in which it said that any launch can be scrubbed, for instance by any one of the engineers in charge of a subsystem. That's where we have that whole go, no go check that right before every launch. And we, we heard that uh, if, if we were watching the crew dragon launch, you know, they would go, you know, they would say to each subsystem, are you go or no go, go, go or no go, go. And anyone says no go, it's scrubbed. They stop. So I think, I think the cosmetics making it look cool. I don't, think that anyone is doing that to the detriment of safety or engineering capability or anything like that i think it's because you can <laughs> i mean you know I, I think that i think that that's just part of of human nature too like we want to do awesome things but we want to look cool doing them right right um it, yeah if they were doing things that were not safe like i don't know uh it's Stunts not safe some sort yeah yeah if they were doing so you know they throwing x-wing wings on it that are all purely <laughs> cosmetic but and could cause it to fl- flip out of control right. i mean you know that would be that would be bad but uh, or if they were yeah if they were doing stunts in space in order to film it so that you could have a cool thing and just unsafe things in space but i mean given if again watching everything that they did everything was they, t- they went slow they were methodical they were very careful you could tell everything was being done to to the T. I I don't know. Um, I I don't feel like the coolness factor is making it less safe. I just put it that way. But you know, 
It's good to consider safety, and I I appreciate the caller's uh, interest in that, and I think we all want want to make sure that it's as safe as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, definitely, definitely. And, uh, yeah, I think it's it's definitely something to to consider with the technology is you don't want to let the coolness – of something that in the in the form of it to override the function and that that goes for even the stuff that we use every day i I can't tell you how many times i've had some consumer tech product that you know looked great and was a terrible (laughs) device and didn't work right so that's that that's something we have to keep in mind and it goes back to just because we can do something doesn't mean we should just because (laughs) it could be done to look right you know, extra spiffy. <laughs> right. If those spacesuits were uncomfortable, if they weren't really functional, if the astronauts had a hard time moving around in them, but they looked cool, you know, if they put lights inside the helmet that that let you see their face, but caused glare for them that they made them hard to see out of it, which is what lights inside a helmet do, frankly. Uh, that's why you only see them in movies. Um, but if they were doing that, yeah, that I would have a problem with that. So I, I would agree with that. That you, you get there has to be a line drawn. This is definitely not science fiction. No, this is science science. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. You hear you hear about all the actors who who suit yeah. up in all sorts of things and how uncomfortable and non functional they are. But no, this right. is this is reality, not not science right. fiction. And even closer to Earth, I mean, whether it's Top Gun or the Top Gun sequel, where it's fighter pilots and stuff, and they they do stuff in those planes and there there are real pilots flying real planes but even then sometimes you're seeing stunts that aren't actually they're CGI or models mm-hmm. and not actual stuff uh so th- there's a there's a measure of that as well um all right so let's uh, let's move on to our second uh topic that we wanted to talk about tonight and this is uh an article that I ran across and this is an interesting article uh on Medium where uh I just want to make sure I get the right the right name for the person who wrote it. I, just, I don't want to misquote them. Uh, Maddie Stone writes how the article titled how Apple decides which products are vintage and which are obsolete. And, but really, this is about technology going obsolete. Uh, mm-hmm. But but for Apple specifically, they have very specific terms for vintage and obsolete uh, tech technology. So a, a vintage uh, Mac, say, or other device is, uh, I'm trying to find the things, vintage Apple devices are those that the company discontinued selling more than five and less than seven years ago. When they, when it, it gets over seven years, it's obsolete. Meaning, so if it's vintage, you can get certain kinds of repairs done. But if it's obsolete, they're not going to offer to repair it at all. Uh, you can go to a third party and that sort of thing. Um, and it kind of brings up the question of is how long should we expect our technology to last? Is five years or seven years an unreasonable amount of time to expect a say a computer that costs fifteen hundred bucks to 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 be not obsolete? What do you guys think? Do you have any that are that old? Um, so actually it's funny that you mentioned that. I have a Windows ninety five that is three times the lifespan of an obsolete, uh, according to Apple, I've we've had it since 1996, uh-huh. and it still runs. Uh, my my parents gave it to me a number of years ago because it's got some of my old, favorite old games on it. Um, so it it doesn't do much. Uh, you know, it, <laughs> it it has a it has maybe a phone line that maybe you know could do dial up internet, but um, but it still it still runs and it still runs well for its operating system. 
you know, Windows 95. Mm -hmm. Um, but I remember definitely when, when I was a kid, it was, we would, I remember taking that computer to the, 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 the computer store, uh, you know, in town and constantly getting, getting it either upgraded or more memory put into it or repaired for, you know, the CD drive quit working, you know, and we, we had that thing for, I, I guess we probably had it for about five years or so, because then I do remember getting a windows XP and, but, but by that point it wasn't the hardware that was really going bad. It was all the software uh, upgrades and wouldn't and run on it. Needed. Right, right. Yeah. We needed the new hardware for the new operating systems. Um, you know, but, but in terms of hardware, that computer is, eh, it's still kicking pretty well. Um, so I guess in terms of, of modern, uh, computers, I sure hope that my iMac that I just bought, you know, within the last year lasts more than five years, more than seven years, you know, right. and without, without any major slowdowns in it. Unfortunately, I, I think, I think this is just pretty standard though, in terms of, of modern technology that five years is almost a lifetime. Right. Um, you know, especially if you're thinking of a smartphone, you know, um, mine's three years old now and, and it, you know, it's still working fine, but there's still like this, this impulse that when they announce the new iPhone that you have to go out and, and upgrade. Um, and even Apple had admitted to, to slowing down older, older phones with kind of, I know it was to save yeah. battery, but yeah, but still there, there's this. There's this expectation that they're doing it on purpose to get you to buy new stuff. Right, right. So, um, I think hardware-wise, though, I think they're they're perfectly capable of lasting much longer than five years. The problem becomes, and and this article points that out, is is if they break, you you can't hardly find repair parts. You can't, you right. know, fix it. Well, and I I was thinking about that. I just within the last three months helped replace a power supply on a Windows ninety five machine for a disabled uh, person that has all of these games that they just really you know it, it's a pleasure in their life. Mm -hmm. Now that I think that that's reasonable that as long as you can you do, but you don't count on it. You don't put something that's that is valuable on there and then be without it if it breaks. I think this has to be considered an extra machine that is discardable if it finally breaks and can't be fixed. Um, seven, five to seven years sounds reasonable to me um, in terms of anything older than that. Yes, you're going to have a, a, a lack of repair parts. You're going to have a lack of people who know that product to be able to do the repairs. And you're going to have hardware that's going to be more likely to fail the older it gets and security problems because the operating system will not stay up uh, to grade on, you know, after seven years, you're not going to have an operating system that's that's current and up to date. So I think it's fine if you want to say, go ahead and keep it for something that's non-essential. But I don't think you can say, well, I think Apple should keep supporting this because that's a cost to consumers because they've got to have people that are constantly being able to work on this stuff and it's it's lessening and lessening and lessening as far as the amount of people it serves so i think that that would be you know a reese five to seven years is is not unreasonable for me you know when we when we look at the article points out that these 
these devices are constantly making them better. They're constantly, you know, trying to improve them. New technology comes along and they, they put new tech in them. And the, they have to, if they're going to support a device, if they're going to say, we will repair this, they have to keep the parts for that device around and they have to keep a stock of them. And it costs money to keep a stock of that stuff. And the more time goes on, the more different models you have to keep the parts for. And, uh, you know, it's not like uh, the Model T coming off the line where every everyone, you know, part is from 1920 to 1935. They all use the same axle or something. I'm, I'm just making that up. But, but you know, it, it was like that in many ways. And, and in fact, the, the car, I think, is an apt comparison because with cars, we have definitions. A a car is a classic car if it's over 20 years old, generally considered. A car is an antique car if it's over 50 years old. Now, that's a much larger time span, obviously, uh, and that could change over time as as technology and cars changes. But, you know, if I owned a car that's over 20 years old, it might be a great car, a, like a wonderful example, you know, a, a cool car from, the, from my youth, you know. But if I'm relying on that for transportation as my only transportation, that's probably a bad idea. It's <laughs> probably hardy, yeah. yeah. So I think um, I think it's reasonable to expect a a computer to last five years. I think that's a reasonable expectation, and 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 maybe even up to seven years uh, to expect a company to support that. Uh, a lot of I think Apple kind of goes beyond the norm i think a lot a lot of the pc windows pc companies offer a lot fewer years of, of support and i've had macs that have lasted much longer i mean i had a bondi blue imac from 1998 that i passed along to several family members and got back and it lasted for like 12 years you know and I think I still get it in my shed because it's it's an original <laughs> Bondi Blue iMac. How how do I get rid of that? Um, it, but on the other hand, I have a 2017 iMac in front of me, which is fantastic, and I'm already starting to go. You know, the newer iMacs are a little bit faster. I could I could edit a show <laughs> a little faster if it was if this was just a little faster, and that's just the nature of it. You know, if yeah. if you if you buy your shoes, you know, with the you know the time you spend working on a thing. It could be justified in upgrading it, you know. So if it's a if it's a work thing, but if it's just I I need a, a machine to to you know surf websites and occasionally write a, a, an email or a letter or whatever, kind of like my wife uses her computer. Uh, you know, th- we replace that when she spills a glass of water on it every every few years. So <laughs> that's pretty much <laughs> our schedule on that one. <laughs> but uh, but you know she's had but, but she had like a 2011 uh, Mac. MacBook, uh, you know, the MacBook Air for until like 2018, 17, 18, I think it was, it was, I mean, it was a long time. So, uh, you know, one of the things that, that comes up is, should we have right to repair laws that allow us to continue working on and repairing our old tech long after the companies that made them stop supporting them? So some of these repairs require us to like, for example, the, the article points out that um, Apple on some of the newer tech uh, devices, it um, it had like especially on iPhones, it, you you have to use a special tool that only they have to reset the device without without breaking it. If you say replace the screen um, or cert- uh, certain other parts, uh, Apple says this is a security measure. This is you know uh, the security is so bound up into the, just the very guts of the device that um, you know we 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 can't. 
you know, I'll, you know, um, allow people to to do this sort of repair. Now, other people say, "Look, it's my device; I should be able to do what I want." What do you think? <laughs> uh, I guess I feel like for hobbyists who want to do something, then if they want to tinker with it and that type of thing, but they can't expect any support at all. But yeah, I think sometimes the uh, the special special uh, tools and things like that do seem a little unfair. Because I know my son has replaced screens and replaced speakers and things like that on on uh, both iPhones and Androids. And, uh, you know, it would be it would be nice as long as you could do that without it costing other people money to have, you know, that being supported, et cetera. Um, now, I'm not probably going to be one of the ones who does right. that type of repair, but. Well, one of the things is 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 you is you, it's a feature. You know, it's a question of whether you're going to get this feature. Apple has this activation lock, so that someone can't steal your phone and just you know reset it and start using it. It's a deterrent to to crime, and it ties your fingerprint or face ID that's embedded in the the you know the 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 um, the memory on the logic board. It ties it to the the device, and so no one else could can use it. And we we could they could get rid of that and we'd be less secure in our device you know what i mean so what do you think father andrew um well i i don't want to i don't want to lose the security i i mean i definitely appreciate that if if my phone were ever get lost i i know that like you know i could i could wipe it remotely and i mean it it would be locked down and i and i love that about it so i wouldn't want to i wouldn't want to get rid of that the and and the the problem is that you and you point out it, it's the crooks out there. If if you knew that everyone who had a you know five to ten year old device was simply wanting to you know and they you know bought it at a pawn shop and they just wanted to kind of tinker with it and play with it and reboot it up and and no malicious intent, then then it seems like absolutely they should be able to do that. But you have all the the potential for misuse and the stealing of information and and i I don't think I'm willing to to let go of that security um but then on the flip side, then I'm basically saying that i i I don't want someone to be able to just tinker as they want um but plenty of people do that with their own devices. I know like if you jailbreak your own device, you're you void any warranty. And I mean, you're on your own. Um, But I know people do that all the time, but that's with their own device that they've already purchased. And I'd like to see a halfway measure where right now, one of the problems with this great security is it's, you know, when, when a phone does get stolen or broken or whatever, it's it's absolutely useless. They can't reuse it. They can't wipe it, et cetera. I would like a way that that the consumers couldn't necessarily reset it, but it could be taken back to Apple with some way of just saying, okay, they can make it so it is renewable. It is uh, not thrown in the garbage. But I don't know whether there's a, that's if you, I mean I suppose there still would be a case where you could have an employee that was 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 not kosher was not being correct and would take these well, in and then send them back out again. Well, you can but, you can they like they can um, if you break if you activation lock your phone accidentally you can go in and have them undo it. Like you could just, all you have to do is just prove it's your phone. You know the true. The, but but what they're saying is there's a lot of, of uh, resale shops and, and donation places are getting old phones that the activation lock hasn't been removed, and therefore it's a brick to them. Right. But I would like to be able to say, well, just take it to Apple. Let them take care of recycling it, 
in a in so that it is able to be reused, but not the person who gave it to them benefit from it. Well, the the that's the problem is is these these businesses who refurbish old iPhones they they want to be able to make the money off of it. Yeah, you you already can do that. You can give it to Apple and they will recycle the phone. Right, but but maybe it could be something like, well, I'm going to give you a bricked phone, Apple. Now you just give me a. Uh, a, a refurbished old one in replacement for it so that uh, the, that information can't be uh, stolen, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. Well, I I don't see the incentive for Apple to do that. <laughs> no, I don't. But I mean, th- <laughs> they'd there, rather there sell a new phone. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of the things that is, is the repair issue. And uh, frankly, I've, I've repaired, I have, I use the ifixit.com website. I've used them Dozens of times they are a fantastic resource because not only do they sell parts and tools, but they also have guides. And one of the most intricate repairs I've ever done, the hardest ones I've ever done, was I had a, a MacBook about 10 years ago where I closed the the, the top, the screen, uh, and, and I'd left a uh, pen inside the hinge and it cracked Ooh. my screen. Yeah, that, that, it was painful to, to look at. <laughs> and I so I, I bought a replacement screen on eBay and I, I followed the guide and I I replaced it and it was good for years. And I'm like, that's a pretty good thing. But would I be able to do that now? There's this balance between keeping us safe from the bad people and from ourselves and letting us be the master of our own device. And that's that's and a, usability. Yeah. You know. Right, and and that's an area that we're, we're we we struggle with in a lot of areas with our technology. Um, I I'm not a big like I I don't want Apple to go this way with like their operating system where they lock it down so much that I can only install stuff that say from the App Store. Uh, you know, like like the like we do with our our phones and iPads. I don't want to do that to happen. I love being able to install you know download some weird piece of software off the internet somewhere and install it myself and tell gatekeeper to let it, let me do it because I'm the boss of my computer and I'm going to do that. Uh, but yet, you know, I don't want my mom doing that. <laughs> so, right, but there is a, a provision they have to say, yes. well, the, the default is here's, here's the safest. And if you're techy enough, then you know right. enough to go a deeper level. And I want them to keep it there instead right. of moving the ball toward the iPhone, the iOS level, which is the other way they do it. Yeah, I I think that uh you know if if they completely locked it down it just it, it makes the whole experience less enjoyable. Yeah. Um and and it's also funny as you were talking all I could think of is I've been I've been just focusing on on virtue recently and in, in in the whole crazy times that we're in and virtue is often defined as the mean between the two extremes. Mm-hmm. So you know, courage is not uh being reckless but it's also not being cowardly either. It's right. it's kind of the, the middle road. And so as you're talking about technology, it's like you don't want either extreme because either extreme right. is, is, is bad and not, not beneficial and fruitful in, in, in anybody's life or in, in your IMAX life, I guess. Uh, you know, but yeah, we want somewhere in the middle where we have the freedom to, to play around. And, but also we want some safeguards to not, you know, careen over the edge and fall down the cliff. <laughs> You know, right. So we moderation in all things, including yeah. being moderate. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. We want to drive on the curvy mountain roads, but we want those curvy mountain roads to have guardrails. <laughs> right. <Yeah. Yep. laughs> so a little bit of fun, but also a little safety. Uh, I, and, and again, with the automobile, 
I, I think, you know, the analogy, I think there's a, a, a analogy there with the repairability. It's not just computers and phones that are, have this issue of we can't fix them like we used to. We can't get our hands dirty in the in the innards. I mean, cars are the same way. Yeah. It used to be, you know, you had the shade tree mechanic who could take his car apart and put it back together again on the weekend. But now cars are are so, you know, technology driven that you can't. You know, you have to take it to a mechanic for the smallest thing in many, many ways. So um, there's a lot of our tech. We want them to be cooler, sleeker, better, faster, um, more features. But that comes at a cost in in many ways. So um, I'm reminded of that that, uh, Google project a few years ago where they were going to have the the modular phone where you could snap in like, you know, a a different camera. And it was just like the worst possible (laughs) of all worlds. It was just this this. What the the designs they were coming up with, there was just no way to do it that wasn't clunky and junky. Uh, Looked and, like a bunch of Legos. Right. And we all love our, our nice, sleek phones that we put in our pocket, the slab of glass. But, you know, that comes at the cost of, say, having a replaceable battery because having a battery mm-hmm. compartment adds bulk and, you know, and all kinds of other issues that we have to we would have to you know compromise on. So, like you said, Father, it's a compromise. It's a middle road. Mm-hmm. And hopefully we do like Apple stays where it is. I think it's a there. They seem to be veering a little more toward locking things down with their late, their latest computers like the MacBooks. With, but, uh, but also it's bringing some features I like, which is the touch ID with the T2 security chip, because of that security chip, it's much more, much closer to being locked down like an iPhone is, but yet, Man, not having to. My wife has that on her newer MacBook, and she just touches that thing, and she doesn't remember her password to unlock it. And it's all just. I'm like, I want a Touch ID on my <laughs> iMac, or can we do Face ID? I'd like to do that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. but it. But we, we all these features come at a cost, and we just have to be willing to pay that cost. All right, so uh, I think it's. Uh, a, Time to move on to our next uh, segment, and uh, we get some headlines we wanted to talk about. And the first one that comes up is this interesting story that was in the Washington Post, which says that uh, a bunch of these wearable tech companies, Fitbit, Apple, uh, Aura Rings, which uh, I've I've heard about through Leo Laporte in the Twit Network, uh, that a a lot of scientists are looking to see if we can use these wearable devices that are collecting all kinds of data about our health to predict if we're going to get sick with the coronavirus before we even know it. Uh, and this is an interesting article. The the, the uh, tech columnist Jeffrey Fowler uh, in the Washington Post writes about how he's been wearing an aura ring um, and some of these early results. These aren't peer-reviewed studies yet. There's nothing published. But some of the early stuff suggests that, like for example, the aura data can predict up to three days in advance when you will start to have fever, coughing, or shortness of breath. What do you think about this? Is uh, is this exciting? Or is it worrisome that they hadn't get so much information about you from such a thing? What do you think of this? Uh, does it make you want to wear a device that can help predict whether you're going to get sick soon? What do you think? I think it's worrisome and it's awesome all at the same time. <laughs> um, right. You know, I, I think I think like most of us out there, there's there is just a hesitant a hesitancy to have all of my vitals and all of my, you know, medical information being kind of put out there somewhere and analyzed. Um, and I, and, uh, you know, so, so that's sort of kind of worrisome, but, and one of the things that the, the article points out too, is that, uh, it take it with a grain of salt at this point, you know, it's, 
uh, so some of the things that they were analyzing was like it, it, it could notice um, an increase in your heart rate or temperature, you know, or those sorts of things from from what would be considered normal. Um, but it also pointed out there are there are tons of different reasons why you might yeah. have an increase in heart rate. You could be stressed. You could be anxious for for some f- upcoming meeting or, or whatever it is. And. I would be worried too there that that someone who is a hypochondriac might take this kind of off the edge and just worry, 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 worry. Yeah. 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 So I I really appreciate things like, um, you know, the the Apple watch has like fall detection and and I've heard stories of it, you know, dialing nine one one and saving someone because they fell and couldn't get access to their phone and get help. An AFib. Yeah. Yeah. Detection. Yep. Yeah. So I I would be afraid of it kind of, yeah, causing more worry than it's worth. I'd also worry a little bit if we, if we got to a point where health insurers or whatnot could use could get access to yeah. it, access to and use this data or employers for, uh, too and use this data against us. You yep. know, oh, you know, you know, you've been gaining some weight lately. Uh, we're going to have to raise your premiums or you know, we're mm-hmm. we're going to cut down on things or you know your heart rate is up you need to start walking more uh, you know and and start getting you know nannies overseeing us or like i said health insurer or employer or other people it would, i'd i'd be a little worried if if that sort of thing started happening i'm i'm more okay with it if if the the information that it collects is is sort of like contained within my my mm-hmm. phone only right. and it's not shared out yes that would be the way it should be done is that it's mm-hmm. my data and it's exposing it to me and keeping it secure. Right. And if my phone were to ever get destroyed, then like that data is lost. It's, you know. Right. Or it's locked up in my uh, iCloud yep. account. Yeah. That sort of thing. Yep. Uh, so and then uh, another headline we have is uh, from Walmart employees are kind of revolt. Uh, revolting may be a strong term, but they're they're unhappy and they've been unhappy with some software that the, their employer is using, Walmart. Uh, it's an AI called Everseen that is supposed to be uh, watching people behavior for, um, the, you know, uh, shoplifters, sorry, the shoplifting and other bad behavior in the store from whether it's customers or employees. And the, and the employees have been saying for years that this stuff is, flagging people inappropriately that people who are in, engaged in perfectly innocuous behaviors are being flagged by this ai software which is, it's not really ai if it's if it's not really working well and uh and it's causing uncomfortable encounters with customers you know they have to confront these customers with this and they said and now in this social distancing time we are in uh it makes employees less even le- less safe because they have to engage in these close encounters with with customers what do you guys think of this uh uh is it is it wrong for these comp- for companies like walmart to be using ai to be watching people at, when this stuff is really still in its infancy what do you think that's sort of a leading question i think <laughs> i guess my thought is is that it's probably too new to be very accurate in fact the article mentioned that people knew how to game it to get uh multiple things through the checkouts because it only detected it by the presence of something it did wasn't checking weight and things like that. Right. So it's it's not very accurate on either direction. 
And so I think that that might be something to be a clue for them to say, well, there's there's some problem over here, but I don't think that they should be depending on it like that. Yeah, I don't, I don't think this can replace just the, the human eye on the situation. Uh, one of the, the anti-theft features, I think, in, in like self-checkout is, yeah, if, if you've done the self-checkout where you scan the, the item and then you have to put it in the bag on the scale. And <laughs> yep. I'm like, I'm at, I'm at Home Depot or Lowe's and I've got this giant thing. I'm like, how exactly would you like me to place this on your scale? Because it doesn't fit. And then like it'll reprimand you when you don't. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it, <laughs> yeah. right. It, it's not or it's smart. It's a handheld item that I don't really want need to put in a bag. It's a waste yep. of a bag. Right. I mean, <laughs> sometimes I'll put it down on the scale. Are you happy now? And then pick it up. And, you know, it's or, but I went Oh, I bought a weed whacker. Uh, not too long. It's this huge box. And I'm like, <laughs> I'll put it on the scale for you just so you know it's there. You happy? Or I'll lean on the scale. That's the other thing. Like, how, like it's not even all that effective. Uh, all I need to do is lean on the scale and it and I've told it. I've, oh, thanks, Dom. Now yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it's measuring how much it weighs or not, but it's just silly. It, it Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think putting these things in in place when it's clear that they're not they're not effective yet. I mean, this sort of thing has to be nearly perfect or you're going to alienate customers. By confronting them with, you know, is it worth it? I mean, a, a company like Walmart is so huge that alienating even a few thousand people is they is not care. is not a big deal to them. Uh, so I think it betrays a little bit of how you view your customers uh, as p- potential shoplifters and not as valuable yeah. uh, people to you. Well, and the fact that they've ignored their the employees' com- complaints for so long, from what I understand. It's not just like, oh, this has been going on for a month and people are now complaining. This has been going on a while. Yes. And so that's that's poor policy not to get feedback and act upon it more quickly. Right, right. Big bureaucracy, big company. Um. Let's see. Then, then our next one is, uh, so <laughs> n- n- none of the three of us work in an office. Uh, so, so to speak, or, or we don't have regular office jobs, but there might be some of our listeners who do or, or did until recent things. And you might be missing the office. Well, you could be like these folks who uh, the Wall Street Journal talks about whose companies are creating virtual offices in uh, software, SimCity like simulations where you could be in the virtual office and you have virtual conference rooms. and. And it's it it's looks like, you know, you're looking at your screen and you are sitting in a conference room. I can't think of a I'll just be honest. I can't think of anything I less want to do than to sit in a virtual conference room. That's the only thing worse <laughs> than being in an actual conference room for a meeting. <laughs> what do you think? The only thing that I thought about was as they mentioned that there were also break areas where people could congregate and kind of move around like as if they were in a second life type situation. Yeah. And that might be nice for those non-meeting times when you said, you know, you wanted to go to the water cooler and say hi to Joe because you haven't seen them for a while. And that might be easier to have in a virtual environment than just seeing five faces on a screen and saying, hi, how are you doing? You know, it might be a little bit more relaxing for non-meeting time, but I don't really, I don't really like the idea of recreating my office somewhere else. <laughs> right. But I understand that schools have done the same thing; that students have have made uh, recreations of their university. I don't In remember which Minecraft. university it was. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, that they've done that because they miss they miss that environment. 
Yes, it was MIT, I think, was one of them, which makes sense. <laughs> right. A lot of people have used Slack for that. You know, a, 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 it's a bulletin board system. I'm not sure, but I mean, maybe it's just I'm older, but the idea of having an avatar, like walking around in an environment in an avatar and like trying to get it, doing that to interact with people. If, if it could be like Ready Player One. Yes. Sure, I'm. Yeah, I'm all like in. A hologram. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but but VR otherwise, headsets. Yeah. <laughs> but but like but like legit. Like you know, yes. not not just <laughs> I can see everything, but 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 immersive. Like yeah, like a holodeck or Ready Player One. Otherwise, all I can think of is like it, it mentioned, kind of like the the Sims games. Like, and if I'm gonna do a virtual game. I want escapism. I want to go to, you know, start the Star Wars galaxy and, and, you know, or if I'm going to recreate my virtual office, I'm going to put it on the, the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon or, you know, like, <laughs> right. I don't want to, st I don't want to, I, I just, it just, and maybe for, for kids, it, it might be really helpful for school. Um, yeah. You know, but but because I do remember even in, in high school, you know, you, you 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 put pictures in your locker and you, you know, you the, uh -huh. there's a there's a sense of home there. Um, you know, most people, th the office is not where they go to want to relax or to get away from it all. For For those who are on the university, that that sort of is home in a sense. And then then I can totally be on board with why they why they feel they want to recreate it. I'm thinking that if we could recreate like an office conference room where we have our meetings, like the Death Star conference room, I'd be I'd be trying to force choke my coworkers <laughs> like Darth Vader did. <laughs> so, Those would be uh, so unproductive meetings. Yes, yes. This is now the ultimate power. I think this this my my new report that I've my TP reports. Uh, so. Uh, now, to something a little more serious is uh, this article from New York Magazine, which it relates the story of this guy who just recently um, was misidentified as um, uh, ne'er do well. So, what happened was in uh, was it the Baltimore, Bethesda, Maryland, is what it was. I read it outside of uh, Washington D.C. There was this incident uh, last week, as we record this, where. Some guy on a bike confronted some kids hanging up uh, signs advertising a rally and he got in their face and he was really uh, uh, aggressive toward them and threatening. And they, took, of course, as we do these days, who we take video, the kids took video of him and they went to the police and they uh, the police put out a notice and said, hey, if anybody could help us find this guy, because you know who this guy is, because there was this incident on this date at this place. And so that unleashed the, the crowd, the Twitter crowd. And uh, f the first problem is that the police gave the wrong day. So they, they, they accidentally said one day instead of the next day. And so somebody went on to Strava, which is a Strava is a device that tracks your location for fitness tracking. So you put it on your bike and it, and it tracks your location and it will post it on a map online. It, most people don't realize that, but it's, I think it's defaults to public, which got Strava in trouble with the CIA and the Pentagon a little while ago when it revealed their um, secret bases in the Middle East <laughs> that oh, no dear. one else knew were there. <laughs> Suddenly, all of these Strava tracks in the middle of a desert, that sort of thing. So uh, somebody found this at this time in this place, and they said, who's this guy? 
and they they found him on Twitter, on LinkedIn, and this poor guy, Peter Weinberg, started getting these this hate mail saying, you're this, that, and you got death threats, the police had to be stay outside his house, and it was the wrong guy, because it was the wrong day. And, to, I mean, even then, who knows if, like, like how do you connect this particular guy riding by at this, at this point has, is that guy? And so he got doxxed for no good reason. And this is not the only time it's happened. It's hap- it happens a lot, too much, where the, the, the mob, the internet mob, uh, starts putting on their private eye hat it tracks people down and uh, starts accusing and attacking before there's any evidence it's guilty until proven innocent this happened in and i was going to mention this happened in 2013 after the boston marathon bombing where we the fbi put out these blurry pictures of guys that they were were persons of interest turned out to be the sarnia brothers but people were using this to track down these other innocent people in the crowd and, you know, accusing them. And these people were like, I, I didn't do anything. And they're, they're worried about their jobs and worried about getting attacked in public and stuff. So what do you think about this? Ha- have you, ha- have you seen anything like this before? What do you think is, what's the answer to this? Do you think to, to this question? This problem? I saw something like this on our neighborhood list server. Well, I guess next door it is. Uh, about three weeks ago, there was something that was some type of an incident between uh, a car and a walker that there was a heated conversation. And people were all over it on the next door uh, thing talking about, well, I think t- this person lives there. I can post his address and all this type of stuff. And it's like, wait a minute. This is mob lynch mentality. Yeah. And that's scary. Yes. And as I say, I knew the person involved and it was like, no, wait a minute. This is not right. This is this is totally out of control. And luckily it passed within a day or two and nobody remembered it. But, you know, it could have been really nasty because they were threatening to go to the person's house and and, you know, confront them or they'd already called the police and all this type of stuff. And it was like scary. And with the cancel culture we have now, people could be could lose their jobs or, you know, exactly at the or, knee-jerk or reaction. Be maimed, yeah, you know? or be attacked. Or or you just you you lose your reputation. Even if even if you're the innocent party and you're yeah. you're being accused. Like this this poor guy, I mean uh Yeah. Uh, it's sad. Yeah, I I read the article and, and my 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 initial reaction was just this is absolute crazy and scary and um, I, I pulled up the, the final, uh, paragraph because it just, I think it kind of captures the essence of what happened is the woman who, who shared, uh, the home address of all things to share about this guy who's innocent. She shared the home address on Twitter, um, you know, which, which got retweeted and everything and people got up into a, a fury over, she deleted it. And, and the, the article says, quote, she posted an apology writing, that in all of her eagerness to see justice served, which, okay, that's, that's, a, that's a fine motive, but executed incredibly poorly, uh, she was swept up in the mob that so gleefully shared misinformation, depriving someone of their own right to justice. Yes. Um, and, it's, and it's that that just, um, you know, the mob mentality, you just, you, it's, it's a force that you can't hardly stop once it's get, once it gets going. And, and especially with, with Twitter, um, 
it, it makes the point here that that her correction was shared by fewer than a dozen people, whereas you know the the mob stuff is just retweeted you know hundreds half or, a million times. Ha- yeah, 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 just just yeah. crazy. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, and it was funny because well, funny it was again kind of scary when I when I read this. Um, I uh, I'm on Strava. So, so like I, you know, and (laughs) I, I, I'm not really, I'm not worried per se, but yeah, it, I, I pulled up my, I'm not logged into Strava on my computer, but I pulled up my, my profile and it shows, it shows a map of where I walk today and, um, Mm -hmm. which I, I know that it does and, and I've given it permission to, but. But there's but something. You made sure it wasn't public, right? <laughs> um, it for for this one, it shows like the top three, and that's all that you can see unless you're a mm-hmm. a member. Um, but it, but yeah, it's just it's slightly scary. But but one of the solutions would be is don't share your information this way. Don't either yep. either set it to private or don't use Strava um, at all. We need to be more careful with where our data leaks. We have we all have data leaks. Even the best of us at this at this sort of thing, and we've got to be really careful. Where is your information leaking to prevent yourself from being caught up in stuff like this? It's not going to guarantee you won't get caught up in it, but it will help. It's and and it's just so it's so difficult because I mean, if you're on Facebook, you can have it. You can have your post be location tagged, or if you upload a picture, it's got you know in the in the in the data of the picture, it's got the GPS location. And there's so many things that we just don't think about when we share, but there are ways that they can tie that to a particular place and a particular time. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's scary. Um, just how yeah. much someone can find out about you personally, even if you don't think that you're sharing it. Right. The, uh, the, the one thing I want to say about this is there's a reason why we as a society develop the rule of law the concept of innocent until proven guilty because there was mobs <laughs> meeting out justice 2000, 3000, 4000 years ago uh, until we had laws that protect people that protected the innocent from false accusation and, and false conviction. Uh, and we need to remember that we need, that this is, it protects all of us. But that, that also, I mean, that, that brings up a whole question of who's policing Twitter. It's a private thing, so right. there is no police. Right, you know? and and right. the amount of false information that gets spread. I know Twitter tries to do their best to try to you know clamp down on some of that, but the the well, false then they infor- get accused of censorship uh, if yeah. they do too much. Yeah. You know, and the classic case of you know the 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 was it the the lie gets halfway around the world before truth gets its pants on in the morning. You know, I mean, it's just like <laughs> yeah, uh, it's yeah. it it they the police department is the one who put out the bad information to begin with. And that got retweeted 50,000 times and the correction got retweeted a couple hundred times. It's just, it's not more, it's not as interesting. I mean, there might be, there might be a way for Twitter to institute something where someone, if someone has a correction, it automatically puts it top of feed for everyone who shared it. Everyone who retweeted it, you know, that there's an automatic, there's a correction. You need to know this. You, you are someone who retweeted this, put it at the top of the feed. There might be something to, to that idea. I did see something today that was saying that Twitter is beginning to implement something that if you retweet something that's a link, they make sure that you have read it and clicked in and read it yourself before they will allow it to be tweeted out again, because people will tweet it based upon the headline, not the content. 
Right. And so they don't know whether they're going to be able to be successful with this. But I did see that that was something that they were they are piloting right now. I want to see Facebook implement something where you have to read the article before you can comment. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, same thing. Yeah, yeah. But they said it. Yeah. They they required the link to be opened, but they didn't specify how long it had to be open so that yeah. somebody could just game it by just click yeah. and then back again. Right. And right. Uh, but yes, you're right. It would be nice to <laughs> to have that certainty that somebody had actually read it. So speaking of Facebook, and this will be a last headline. So then we'll go to the, our picks of the week. But uh, there is a, a a link that you you uh, put in the show notes, uh, Pat, about um, how to quickly delete uh, your. Facebook, your old Facebook activities, your old Facebook posts. And it's a really nice uh, step-by-step about how to go through your Facebook profile and look at your old stuff and how to delete an individual post, how to find stuff, uh, how to change who can see stuff, um, limit. There's even a way to delete um, anything that's older than a certain date, which seems uh, drastic, but... Perhaps someone wants to do that. Uh, maybe you've changed your life a lot uh, between <laughs> you know uh, one day to another. Uh, you could. There are ways to archive or trash everything you you short or of make deleting it private. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the one I didn't realize is you can download all of your Facebook yes. data with uh, yes. one go from one place in your in the settings. It's the uh, it's in uh, settings. Your Facebook information. Download your information, and that's that's how you do it on your on your PC. Uh, on mobile, it's a diff- it's slightly different. But the article, we'll put a link to the article in the show notes. But uh, it's useful. There was one the one correction here is that uh, the in, the step by step that will work on mobile devices. Right now, it's not implemented on the desktop. So if I tried, I went and looked, and no, there isn't a way to do it there yet. But you could do it on the phone, as far as deleting a bulk of things. In right. other words, if I wanted to to delete ten items in a row, I yes. could still do one at a time on the the desktop, but I couldn't do a bulk. Right. You could click, 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 and delete. Yeah, right. That, but that's... but uh, that that is coming. That is next. That would be good. Um, yeah, I think that's. I I could see that would be useful. Um, uh, there's, there are probably certain election years that I would probably would like to delete all my posts. Delete <laughs> the whole year. That's the best <laughs> yes, thing. Yes, that was a bad year. 2020. <laughs> Can we delete 2020? Let's just let's delete the whole thing. Yeah. Just, let's just skip Start to 2021. Uh. <laughs> all right. Uh, so let's go to our picks of the week. And uh, Father Andrew, uh, why don't you go first? Sure. So so one of the the fun things to come out of of all the the coronavirus stuff in this world is that um for for those of you who don't know this about me uh i i like to go to comic cons um and i will uh i will dress in my clerics and throw a geeky t-shirt over um so my collar's still visible and and it's really a lot of fun and i i get to meet some really cool people and um I meet tons of Catholics too, which is really fun. And they're, they're very happy to see me. Uh, but, uh, in this, of course, uh, COVID-19 world, all the comic cons that I had planned to go to this year, which, um, was just, it was a few of them, uh, have been of course canceled. So many of these, uh, places are bringing, uh, the celebrities, uh, to, to people virtually. So they're, they're doing kind of virtual panels with, with various, uh, actors and, and, um, those sorts of people. And so it's, it's a really cool way to, to connect. Um, what's really cool about some of these and, and there's, we'll have the links out is that 
many of them are absolutely free to join the the live stream and the Q&A. And so they have mm-hmm. like a, um, um, it, you know, it's kind of like a it's it's a you 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 watch the, the the feed, the live stream, and then there's a chat window and uh, they'll they'll pull out chat questions to throw at the the actors just like at a normal convention where you'd walk up to the microphone and ask questions uh so that's that's really cool i've i've uh um got i've i've gotten to see a, a couple of them already karen gillen who's uh doctor who and uh jumanji Bond. um mm-hmm. nebula uh and then there's a number of them coming up that i'm that i'm uh interested in uh star trek uh actors uh dom there's one that you might be interested in there's a there's a doctor who one Ooh, uh, Colin Baker, cool. Sylvester McCoy, and Paul McGann. Nice. So six, seven, and so, eight. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So uh, Galaxy Con Live is actually the the main one that I see that's doing a lot of these, and so that's uh, you go you go to their website and um, see kind of their list of upcoming virtual experiences. And so, like I said, the, the live stream and the Q and A is completely free. But what's also cool is you can, um, you can purchase personalized autographs from them. You can buy like a two minute one-on-one chat video chat with the oh, celebrity, wow. <laughs> wow. or you can buy a personalized video shout out that they will record and send to you. So nice. Um, yeah, really a kind of a fun way to, to bring the convention experience, uh, virtually to, to your home um, until we can go back to actual convention centers and do this. So, so that's my pick <laughs> of the week. Little, saves a little travel expense too. <laughs> <laughs> it's also really fun because I was out at the park the other day and I, and I had one of them come up. It was a, a panel with some of the actors from the flash and I, and I, and I was out at the park and so I just pulled it up on my phone and oh, wow. was just out that's walking fun. around listening to this panel. And, you know, you could be in your pajamas on, on the couch. You could, you know, yep. Avoid the the crowds of the convention center, um, yeah. even though that I'm cosplaying is me in my jammies. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. It looks like Comic Con, San Diego Comic Con, the big daddy of them all, is also announced today something uh, they're calling Comic Con at Home. So okay, so they've got uh, something in the works. I don't know what it is, but I'm wondering yeah. if they're usually they have one in July. I think uh, they're yes, big. It's usually uh, July. But I, yeah. I haven't. I don't know if that's been postponed or canceled, or if it's still a go. The the, the 2020 in person event is canceled. So is that's, it? Okay. that's and this would replace it. So it's it's yep. there's a on their page they have something on their site. I didn't get a chance to watch it before. I'm we I'm recorded, still but, not sure about Star Wars Celebration. It's still technically going in August. Yeah, I'm, and I have that, I have tickets, but um, I'm surprised they haven't canceled that yet but I'm also going to be a new pastor. And so it's, <laughs> yeah. it's imprudent for me to go. So I'm not going. You, you put yeah, a link I, in our, in our slack that uh, Monday, there's going to be Ewan McGregor uh, on uh, Ace Universe yep. uh, Comic-Con. So Ace, that's, yep, 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 yep. That should be good. Uh, upcoming Obi-Wan series. So nice. Yeah, that's a and, great. And again, great f- these, these are free. Yeah. Just to join the Q and A wow. or the panel is free, and and of course to go to a convention, it's not free. So no, <laughs> yeah, yeah. This That's is awesome. this is cool. Cool. Well, I hope they have merchandise you can buy so that'll help you know encourage them to keep doing these. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. I I I mean the autographs and the video shoutouts and stuff. I don't know if they have t-shirts. I'm, sh- I'm I bet they do, but that that yeah. I'm more interested. I was virtually there. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So, so. Uh, 
Uh, thanks. That's a great pick. Pat, what's your pick this week? Well, one of my sons mentioned that the people who put out Assassin's... Now, I can't remember the whole Creed. name of it. Assassin's, Assassin's Creed. Creed. Right. Yep. That they, for a few days or about a week, they had the ability to let you download ancient Egypt and Greece... The, the the portions of the game, they let you download that as a virtual experience so that I have spent several hours wandering around Egypt, going to the various tombs and they give you a tour and you can you can either, you know, jump right directly to something or you can get on a horse and ride to it or you can walk to it or you can climb aboard, aboard an eagle and fly to it. <laughs> and And I'm only partially through it and I've got Greece yet to do. Uh-huh. And so those were free for that week. But I went and looked and you can they're on special right now for nine ninety nine each to download these virtual tours. Now, each of the downloads is about 50 gig. Right. So that's a lot of data. And you do have to have a machine that can run the graphics and, you know, have have enough memory to do it. And I have a PC that that's that's OK. You know, it's it's not the gamer machine. Right. So, but at any rate, I just have been really enjoying this. And um, I, I have to admit, it did cause me to go buy another piece of tech. I've, I got a, uh, a controller because I, I was really bad at trying to walk <laughs> using my mouse and the yeah. keyboard <laughs> controls. Actually, it would have worked with a mouse, but they, uh, it was only keyboard controls. So now I have a, an Xbox controller that I can, I can ride my horse a lot better now. <laughs> but it's a great educational experience. It really is. Assassin's Creed is a first-person uh, fighting game, but they're known for making their worlds so detailed, so accurate, they are. Uh, that they've come up with these side games. They're not really part of the game itself. They're just a, a way to walk through the world, and they've, it's an edu- they call it an educational mode of Assassin's Creed Origins, uh, and, and so discovery tours, they call them. And, right. and you can, like you said, go to these places. And if I'd had the games, they would have been included free. But I, I have never done any of these. And so yeah. I've been just blown away by the graphics on them and just the fluidity of them. Can, yeah. And uh, it's just really been neat. Yeah, there are times I wish I had a Windows machine. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> it would be fun to, 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 to do this. If we were ancient Greece and ancient Egypt are the two that they have. Uh, yeah, Rome I would like to see at some point too, uh, but that's not released. So and it, Apparently there was a... There was a ver- uh, one of the Assassin's Creed games was a set in Paris, and it was extremely detailed as well. And in fact, I think I remember something about the it was yes. the model of the Notre Dame was so yes. detailed that they used they were using it yes. to help them in the restoration. Yep, I mean, yep. pretty amazing, pretty amazing. Uh, awesome. Those are, that's a good pick. Uh, so my pick is a bit of it's it's not really it's not new technology at all, uh, but it's new to me. Uh, I. Just recently purchased a new Kindle. I got the Kindle Paperwhite tenth generation. I my I have a Kindle. I had a Kindle. Uh, it was I, which I've had since two thousand thirteen. I think it's sixth generation. I, I, I'm not exactly sure. Uh, and that wasn't it's even obsolete. my first Kindle. Yes, it's obsolete. <laughs> I mean, I've had it for seven years. The battery was dying. It it's at the point where uh, the battery would last like two days, and I have to recharge it again. It was really a pain in the neck and. Uh, and the newer Kindles are water resistant. They're more more waterproof than they were before. Let's put it that way. Uh, and um, so I traded mine in. Uh, I got twenty five dollars, and there was they had a, a deal for you know if I bought one it was so I got I, I got a brand new 
Kindle Paperwhite for like 80 bucks or something, which was pretty darn good, I think. Um, and uh, and it's really nice. I like the screen. It's sharper than my old one. And the, the backlight is bright because it's brand new. And uh, frankly, it's a little too bright. I have to turn down the brightness because when I read in bed at night, it's it's a little bright. Uh, <laughs> but uh, really happy with it. And so I, I'm my pick is the Kindle Paperwhite 10th generation. Yeah, I got one of those about four months ago because my old Kindle I had given away and I thought I didn't need it. But uh, the more I thought about it, the more I really wanted that paper white experience. And so mm. I had not had a paper white before. So, yes, mine. I agree. It's a very good, a good yeah. reading vehicle. And I, I read almost exclusively uh, ebook now. I, I, I like having that experience. Do you prefer that to a physical book? Yes. OK. Very much so. If I'm, if I, in fact, if I have to read a physical book, it is, I am much slower at reading it because a physical book has to sit somewhere. You know what I mean? It's like, it's on my bedside table. And so I only read it like in the 20 minutes before I fall asleep at night. Whereas if I've got the Kindle, uh, I, it's, it's with me a lot during the day. It's here, there and everywhere. Um, it's got every book on it that I want. Mm -hmm. Uh, If I finish a book, I can start a new one right away and I can, if I don't have my Kindle with me and I'm out, I can open it up on my phone. I prefer not to read on my phone, honestly, uh, because I find the phone is the notifications are distracting. And I find the e- e-ink of the paper white to be a little easier on the eyes than the active screen of the of the uh, phone for some reason. Uh, so but but I'll read on the phone it's, it, it, if I if that's what I got. But because everything syncs, it keeps my place. Mm-hmm. I think the syncing could be a little better. Sometimes it gets a little out of sync and it's a pain in the neck. I have to find out where I, find where I was, but I prefer it. Yeah. the um, On the phone or the iPad, I do use the sepia setting, which is a little closer to being uh, like the more e-ink. like the, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's a little less drastic on the eyes. And, and I'll do that if I'm out somewhere, I can pick up and read a chapter. Yeah. Whereas, you know, if it was at home, I, I, I wouldn't be able to. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I, I should try the sepia. That would be that's a that's all. I'm going to do that uh, on my phone. Awesome. Um, and it's it's about the it's the middle range Kindle, by the way. There's they have the Oasis, which I don't know why anyone would spend two hundred and thirty bucks on an ebook reader that I don't know what it provides so much. I think greater. it's more waterproof than any of the others. Is what I had heard. Is that it was it was pretty pretty resistant. If I were a fisherman or a scuba diver, that might be a thing that I do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So those are our picks. Uh, I think that's where we should wrap things up. Uh, so I'd love to hear from the listeners. We'd love to get listener feedback like we did today from listener Alan. Uh, we we love to get your feedback. We love to discuss it. So let us know what you think of the topics we discussed. You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash technology or on the SQPN Facebook page, facebook.com slash Media, or you can send an email to technology at sqpn.com. And you can find links from our discussion and our picks of the week on our show notes at sqpn.com. We do want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology, including Alex G, Michael D, Angie T, John H, and Mark M., Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of technology in all the shows at StarQuest. 
you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. Uh, finally, if you could, we really do appreciate it. If you could go to Apple Podcasts or one of the podcast directories and write a review of the show, you don't know how important it is for podcasts that you write reviews of them uh, in those directories. Uh, it's almost the only way we get new listeners is uh, by when people write a review that gooses the algorithm and gets the podcast into the listings and so we really do appreciate that that and when you share the show with your friends you let your friends know hey this is a great podcast you should be listening to if you could do either of those two things we'd really appreciate it so until next time Father Andrew Kinstetter thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of technology absolutely always a pleasure Pat Scott thank you as well adios hasta la vista Till another time. <laughs> <laughs> and once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Technology on StarQuest. <laughs>